0: Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is episode 28 of Coaching Connections. Now, in today's episode, we have Mr. Justin Johnson for a very unique episode. Justin isn't a coach. He didn't play college basketball. He didn't play professional basketball, uh, but he did play basketball in high school. And so what I wanted to do is paint a unique perspective of, of what young people can learn going through a program because, as we all know, the majority of our kids aren't going to play in the NBA or the NFL, things of that nature. So what lessons can they learn while in an athletic program that transcend throughout the rest of their lives? And so Justin has a very cool story, very, very successful at his job at Facebook, and, and leads a very interesting life. And so I thought it's a very powerful perspective for young people to see. This is episode 28, Justin Johnson. Let's get after it. Yo, can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's up, brother? I am here. What's going on? Locked in. Well, thank you, Mr. Justin Johnson, for, for coming and, and hanging out with us and talking about your experiences. I appreciate you, brother.
1: Of course, man. Appreciate you thinking of me. Happy to be here. Excited to chat.
0: Yes, sir. You know, first off, let's talk about this whole COVID situation. You know, it's kind of altered our lives a little bit. In what ways has it, has it changed your life? And what are you doing to stay busy during these times? Stay sane.
1: Yeah, man. This is, uh, this is the longest stretch of time probably in the last five, six, seven years, something like that, that I've been grounded, meaning I haven't been on a plane, I haven't been traveling to a different place, staying in a hotel, those sorts of things, so it's really made me stay home, which, when I stopped to think about, like, it's a simple thing to do, right, but it's also a hard thing to do when you're not used to it, and for me, um, thinking about the last place I was, I was in, which was in Orlando, I was at uh, Disney, Disney World in February, right before this sort of started kicking off, I didn't really realize the the magnitude at which it would uh, impact the world, let alone me. And so I knew it was a serious thing, you know, the NBA season gets canceled, right? Rudy Gobert tests positive. South by Southwest, which is an event that I was going to attend in Austin, Texas gets canceled. Hasn't been canceled. I don't think ever in its entire existence. Uh, And then there was sort of this domino effect. And so, when all this sort of started kicking off, I, I live in Los Angeles, but I'm from San Antonio. So decided to stay in L.A. for a bit and stay put, thinking, hey, maybe by the summer, things will get better. Uh, not really understanding the full sort of impact that was going to happen at not only a local, but also global scale. And so realizing and seeing COVID cases going up, uh, people near us and dear to our hearts, getting the, the virus, and passing away from the virus really just shook me in saying like this this thing is is more than what people are understanding or making it out to be And so for me it's just been very deliberate and intentional about what i'm doing with my time which time is is a very interesting concept right we all have it but we just have different amounts of it and when our time is done our time is done you don't get any more of it you're gone yeah and so with that sort of frame of mind, for me, it really got me thinking like, what am I doing that I shouldn't be in terms of wasting my time? Or where should I be putting my time or investing my time to, to get more out of it? And so it's really allowed me to be in my own mind and in my, in my own peace of mind, really to understand and almost like critique myself and have that check in with, with myself to think about where can I be putting my time and energy more than I hadn't been previously. Obviously, all that's happening in the world with COVID, but then you also have a lot of social injustice yeah. happening with, with many different um, cases across the board, whether you know it, it be local in San Antonio. I'm actually back in San Antonio now, or even at a much larger level across the U.S. with, with police brutality and things of that sort. It's really just been a, a, a time like no other that I've ever experienced in my entire lifetime. And I've been through some things and it's really just given me perspective. Um, to want to do more, to care more, to give more of my time that is limited, as I mentioned, but like to do more with it. Um, Cause it really just lit fire under me to say, Hey, like this isn't right. And I shouldn't just be okay with accepting that this is the norm. Right. And so that all being said, uh, in terms of COVID, um, not really doing too much outdoors, obviously, because things are closed here in San Antonio, and I'm also not still comfortable with being around people, um, given the fact that this virus can be uh, have or can be within people and they have no symptoms, right so it's really just been like a true lockdown for me where I'm just straight up quarantine working from home, fortunately keeping busy that way. But you know, very few times am I going outdoors. If I go outdoors, it's literally to walk the neighborhood or run at the nearest neighborhood park, but not much of anything. I go to the grocery store once a week and that's like my highlight.
0: Yeah. I, t- I told, uh, somebody like, yeah, that's when I put on my, my nice shoes and, and if I bought a new shirt online <laughs> and I'll put on my new shirt, I ordered online and, and I wore it to HEV and, uh, And that's about the highlight of my week.
1: (laughs) I feel that. Well, because I came to San Antonio with a small suitcase thinking I'm going to be here for a couple of weeks and then I'll go back to L.A. Uh, It's been over three months that I've been here. My plan was to be here about three weeks. Right. So it's kind of just going and going. And uh, I'm planning to return to L.A. at some point, maybe in the the coming weeks is the plan. Um, But we'll see. Uh, There's still so much uncertainty in all this and been really fluid. There's no real rush to, to move anywhere or move back to get back to my place but um yeah i don't i don't have uh the, the new clothes like you do going to I brought what i brought and that's what i use and i recycle <laughs> it through the week so every time people see me on, on camera or whatever it's literally the same shirt i'll just like flip it inside out or turn to the other color that i have i literally bought a few things and that's all i brought with me
0: yeah you know just for those that don't know um well we'll touch on the journey here in a second but just so that we can get it out there you now what do you do uh, as your profession
1: yeah, absolutely. So I have the unique privilege of working at and for Facebook. Um, many times when I tell people I work for Facebook, they don't fully grasp the idea that people work for Facebook, or they, they question, what do you mean you work for Facebook? Uh, so in plain terms, I, me, Justin, work for Facebook, the the company that you likely see content or watch content from your friends families businesses that you're, you're uh, supporters of etc i work for that company and, and that company um, enables me to work with digital cr- creators uh, digital talent influencers celebrities to be the face of facebook if you will to these different individuals mm-hmm. to help them grow and develop their presence on facebook and make money on facebook through their content as well as doing something similar with emerging talent so people who aren't as famous as the well-known established people in the world that are on the up and coming, uh, doing that on Instagram as well.
0: That's pretty awesome. Actually, it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so when you say like celebrities and, and content creators, you're talking about guys that, that, that creative minds are putting out these videos and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it could be someone in in their their basement that's editing and shooting all their content by themselves. It's more, there's also some more established people relating it to basketball. Some of the people that I've worked with more recently, like from the N1 mixtape tour. So you think of the professor, right? So who's for my childhood, super iconic, uh, as well as the bone collector, these sorts of individuals who built their brand, if you will, through basketball, but then took it off the court, still do play from time to time, and they're based in Los Angeles area, but now have created a persona digitally, right, with the internet and social media, be it Facebook and Instagram, to amplify their voice, to sell product or merchandise that they've created, to sell tickets to events that they're going to be at, those sorts of things. And so it's been kind of cool to work with people like them, in which I used to want to be like them as a kid, right? Yeah. and do their tricks and do their shots and wear their shoes and those sorts of things to then now be able to humanize the experience where it comes full circle where that those people i would idolize and have seen on tv then now the internet i actually get to meet in real life and work with and help so those are some examples but there's hundreds of, of others across the board because the spectrum is is so wide it's not just basketball it's not just Fitness, it's beauty, do-it-yourself, cooking, comedy, etc. So, like the, the gamut of people that I've worked with or work with is super wide.
0: Nice, no, that's awesome. That sounds like a ton of fun. Um, it is. So, kind of taking it back a little bit. Then, let's talk a little bit about your childhood first. You know, where did where did you grow up? Obviously, you said San Antonio, but but uh, kind of go into a little more depth. You know, San Antonio, and, and then we'll kind of go from there.
1: All over, man. So, San Antonio is home for me. Um, I the older I've gotten the more appreciation I have for it because it, it really has helped me become who I am to in this moment to this day right And so growing up um, I grew up predominantly on the south side right so I, I went to Vestal Elementary went to Tara Wells Middle School I graduated from McCullum High School but in that in, in leading up to that I, I've kind of lived all around right I lived with various family members and primarily my aunts and so they've lived in the north-northwest part of San Antonio, the south side of San Antonio, and kind of everywhere between, and I've, I've lived and floated through those different places, and so, yeah, I, I graduated, as I mentioned, from McCollum, uh, was salutator in there, but also, more importantly, was a first-generation scholar of my family to attend college, and with that, I had the opportunity and privilege to attend the University of Texas at Austin on a full-ride scholarship, and that fundamentally gave me what I believe in that moment, the golden ticket to, to get out, if you will, and, and be exposed to things uh, that i had never been exposed to, never even thought of as a kid in San Antonio. And it, it's kind of interesting, right? Because Austin's about an hour north up the interstate from San Antonio, and ultimately me going to college there was only an hour-ish away, but it was a world's difference from what I was used to, what I grew up with versus what I was exposed to and just literally had no clue about anything outside of what I had already known, right? And so for me, it was very much a one of the more influential decisions to go to UT. Obviously, what empowered that, as I mentioned, was the fact that I received the Fulbright Scholarship because without it, I'm very certain that I wouldn't have gone there because it was, it was and is uh, very expensive to attend a full, uh, four-year university such as UT.
0: Oh, that's 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 powerful stuff, you know, growing up, like I said, on, most predominantly on the south side and and earning yourself a full scholarship. You know, it's it's and to watch what you've done with it, uh, which we'll cover here in a second. I think it's it's empowering for younger, younger people to see that, you know, it doesn't matter where you grow up, where you come from. Um, you, you can do the things that you dream of. And so talk a little bit about your professional career after after college. You graduated from UT. Yeah, so
1: I graduated uh, from the Macomb School of Business U- within UT Austin with a degree in finance. Um, and and during college, I had multiple internships with uh, Goldman Sachs, which is uh, one of the largest financial institutions in the, in the, in the world, really. Um, Google, obviously people are familiar with Google. And then after college and graduating, I started working for a company called Oracle. So Oracle is essentially a a software database company. It's one of the 100 largest companies in the world. So I worked with them for about a year and then was able to land something with Facebook. And so I've been at Facebook now a little over six years as of last month, um, which is kind of just surreal to think about because most of my 20s, I've been at Facebook. So I've literally grown up at and on Facebook. And it's a very unique experience to, to think about. And when I look back at things that I posted and shared over the years, not even just being there, but from when I first got started on the Facebook to now, it's a very much my digital diary of, of things and where I've been, places I, I've eaten at, people I've met, things I've thought, how I felt. Um, so it's been, it's been pretty crazy, man. Because if you, if you would have told the, the 18-year-old kid that was graduating from column that in a few years, you know, his life would change forever and for the better. I don't know if I would have bought into it, but I, I would have been interested to at least experience or see what that even meant. And yeah, now, uh, now as I, I think and, and wake up every day, and even though I'm not in the office because all that's happening in the world and, and our offices are closed for, for a while and continue to be, uh, it's, it's a position of privilege, man. Like it's something I wake up, every single day that I am fortunate to wake up and I'm just I'm just happy because I I could I know what it's like to not have anything and I know what it's like to have what I have and I know and I've been through the middle right and so so for me it's just having that perspective on gratitude and appreciation for like the little things and understanding that it could very well end for me tomorrow right my I could not wake up that's that's a possibility I hope not but like that's a thing right um i could lose my job that is a thing excuse me that is a thing too but i think those are the things i, I think about it doesn't lead, it doesn't lead me to drive like to, to live with fear but it, it makes me just more realistic of like there's more to life than just the things i'm doing but those help shape my life experience
0: yeah no it's good stuff um and it keeps you grounded it keeps you motivated it keeps you hungry um but it's good to hear right i mean like you said it's a place of privilege but you but you've been with nothing and you've worked your way up to, to this situation where you where you uh, live a very comfortable, very very comfortable life and and fortunately,
1: yeah. Very blessed, man.
0: And so uh like I said, I just think it's powerful for the younger generation to hear. And what what I what I want to lead to is, you know, you played sports in high school. You know, right. um, you weren't a guy, you know, a lot of these young guys they, they dream of division one scholarships and playing in the NBA. But the reality is most of the guys on a high school basketball team are going to live pretty normal lives and normal meaning right. not playing in the NBA. And so it's important for them to see that the things that you learn during your time within a program, like you played basketball for your high school team, uh, can really uh, transcend throughout the rest of your life. And so um, just tell us a little about, you know, you, we know you played for McCullum. Who were some of your coaches? Uh, what are some of the things that you've learned through those programs, through going through the program, and then how has it helped you throughout your career?
1: Yeah, um, you know, and, and for me, like being able to have these, you know, positive male influences in my life was was critical, especially at a time when you're a teenager and you don't really know right from wrong. You don't really care right from wrong. You think you're right and everyone else is wrong. You're just, you're in your own world, right, and in your own view, which is you know not always the right thing to be doing or thinking but i was once that age and i was also in that in that kind of frame of mind and so i was fortunate to to have multiple coaches some that come to mind that i still keep in contact with coach uh de los santos eric so i think now he's he's still at harlandale uh, high school if i'm not mistaken i had coach coach bell robert bell who was like a san antonio legend in fox tech and then now he's the new head coach for sam Houston. High school. High school I I believe. Sam
0: Clemens, Samuel Clemens.
1: Clemens, okay. I'll get that right. And then lastly, um, you know, one of the, the people who had one of the greater impacts and you know, he coached you as well, I believe, uh, Soto, right? Jerry Soto. And now he's the superintendent for the Harland Independent School District. And so having these very different personalities coach me and like show me and teach me to be a better player, but to ultimately be a better person. Mm-hmm. Uh, was important for me, critical for me. And at the time, I didn't really understand. A lot of the things that they said or, or forced us to do, uh, no one no one enjoys running suicides. No one enjoys doing the 6 a.m. Uh, uh, team practice after a game on Friday. No one likes the ru- the bus ride back home when you just got your ass kicked, right? Like these are things that in the moment, they were just sort of happening. But within that, I think these lessons that were being instilled in us around hard work and dedication, and having a, a true grit and work ethic, these things, you can't go buy them at the store. You literally, I felt like I was broken down into pieces and then reassembled into a better version of myself because of that. And so I still think to this day, like I remember it was some of the most sound advice I've ever received and I continue to share with people And and, uh, it it is to doubt your doubts and believe in your belief. And that's something Coach Soto, Jerry Soto, would tell us over and over. And as a 16, 17, 18-year-old, because he he coached me all throughout my my high school career, what is this guy talking about? What does that even mean? Like he knew what he was talking about because he'd been through what we were going through, but we just didn't understand because we weren't at that mindset yet right we we're just so far removed from reality thinking it's so easy and what the hell does this tall bald man no offense but like what is he talking about right as i lose my hair too or as i get older but in those moments i'm just like no it was like a, a tension and pull push and pull right like he's pushing us to be the best we can be and we're like kind of pulling away of like yo we got to leave us alone but in looking and reflecting back that was some of the, the thing i thought about that really framed not only my mindset, but my approach to life, like outside of school, right? And so for me, I'm like, I got to be my biggest fan. I got to be my biggest supporter. I got to go and do that seems crazy or on paper doesn't seem like, yo, you're going to get it. I need to be my biggest hype man to know that I'm always going to bet on me, right? And that's something I've been thinking about more than a decade now to like, just have that mentality to be like, I'm always gonna bet on me and I'm gonna always go all in. And if I lose, I'm not losing, I'm, I'm well, I might be losing something, but I'm always learning, so I'm taking something from it, right? And I, I think that's the thing I really, really think about is to understand that aspect. And then De Los Santos and Bell like really help to coach to understand like, everyone plays on a team, everyone plays their part, right? You got the shooter. You got the rebounder, you got the ball handler, some that can do all three, some that can do two well, some that can do none well, right? Playing and but more importantly, knowing your part, I think is so key to just being aware, right? And knowing and understanding for me, right, as a middle schooler, 12, 13, 14-year-old, 12, 13-year-old, I want to be in the NBA. Like that seemed like the coolest thing, right? Get get paid to play basketball, have all this money, whatever as I got older and as I stayed the same height and my skill got a little bit better, but not progressively to like the other likes of people that I got to play against in high school. I'm like, all right, this is probably not in my cards. That's fine. And then I'm thinking like, that's okay. Right. But that, that was a hard pill to swallow because that's like your childhood dream. That's like getting a piece of paper crumbling and throwing. It's like, but go find a new piece of paper. Yeah. And, understanding like these key lessons that I've learned from these individuals who, you know, these, to me, these coaches are more than just like coaches, right? And you, you've shared this experience probably as a, not only a player, but also now as a coach, right? And seeing your boys who literally are your, your family, right? And you, you see them grow, you see them leave, they come back and they be, it becomes a, long-term relationship that you just a friendship a brothership, right and i think that's like such a thing of beauty to then go back and be able to share like hey coach d or coach bell or, or, or soto like let me share with you what you helped me with that i've been able to better my life
0: yeah.
1: and uh yeah some of these things are, are tough lessons to learn but they're invaluable and, you know, the, the, I think I sent Coach Soto this email. I have to double check to make sure it's found out. But a couple months ago or like maybe like a year ago, uh, Forbes, right? You're familiar with Forbes, which is a very well-known publication, uh, reached out to me and wanted to include me in an article to give advice to uh, graduates of the, of the new class, right? Like people who are done with high school, done with college as they progress into their new chapter of life. Like what is the advice I would give? And if you, if you Google for me, you type in Forbes, and you type in this phrase, you'll find the article. And the, the article gave a head nod or a tap to Coach Soto. And that was, you know, what's the advice I would give? And it's what I mentioned here, which is to doubt your doubts and believe in your beliefs. Because I don't only, like, just share that. I breathe it, I live it, and I finally, years later, I understand it.
0: You know, it's kind of interesting. You know, we do it all the time. And you can see the kids, you know, that push and pull you talk about but it, to me it's all about planting that seed you know and and one day it's going to it's going to it's going to sprout and 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 they're going to start to realize what we were saying and and hopefully use those lessons uh down the road after they leave our program and 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 then it's it's always a a beautiful thing when they come back and either just to say hi or just or let us know how they're doing or, or the successes that they're having or or sometimes you know coach you know you you were there for us when um when we were struggling in high school and I'm kind of struggling right now. So, you know, I might be 20 in my my twenties, but you know, what would you do? That kind of thing. You know, that, like you said, that that bond and relationship lasts, lasts forever.
1: Always man. That's a, that's the thing I, I think about too. Like that gave me an opportunity to play basketball, but it also gave me like brothers for life. You know, there might be times where I see, I don't get to see or speak to some of my teammates that I used to hoop with months, years at a time. And then we pick up right where we left off, you know. And like those to me, like that, that's those, those are special moments.
0: So you talked about roles in a team and how important it is to know your role. What was your role on your high school team?
1: Uh, I was as the shooting guard, small forward. So, but for me, really, it was just you know to to play hard. Right, I wasn't going to go out and score 30 a game. I realized that, but I knew that if I could play smart and play wise. I would get to earn the minutes to play and hopefully contribute to the larger goal of winning. Right, and so um, I took a lot of charges. Man, I took a lot of charges. But that's what we learned, right? We were, you know, our team um, for the most part was never the biggest. I think one of our tallest guys might have been six two, six three, which is probably shorter than you, right? Like, so we didn't have a big team, but what we did have was a team that would fight for each other and be there for each other and be willing to take charges from people that look like grown men. And that's what we did because that's the only thing we could control and influence was the fact that we can go out there and do our best, leave it all on the court, blood, sweat, tears, aches, all that, bruises, everything, but we're going to do our best to, to control and influence what we can. And we would go into places, and we were generally the underdog. Here's this group of individuals from the south side of San Antonio, and let's try and rough them up and we would you know t- get hit in the mouth literally and metaphorically get punched right and we would just take it and get back up and be better and do better and do well and compete with the likes at the time of like judson and roma out in, and down south texas and and compete with these people who were ranked in the state um and no one you know it's kind of like the cinderella story right and i think that's the thing i appreciate more now and and trying to parallel like what my role was then and how it translates to life now. And I I think what I take from it is like doing my best with what I have or what I know. Right. And what I mean by that is just really truly tapping into knowing I'll never be an engineer and that's by choice. And that's also because of skill. I have zero interest by my choice to like go computer code and do all that. Not to say it's not a good thing. It's a great thing. I'm just not that guy. Right. But in understanding what I'm good at, you give me the task at hand that I'm equipped with, and understand what's the objective. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability.
0: You know, real quick, going back to you said Roma. It's funny because uh, uh, I have a I have a friend that really, really good close friend of mine now, but we just met a couple of years ago. Um, but he's a little younger. And he played. He played on that Roma team where they were they were favorite. And he always brings it up because he, he knows I'm the head coach of McCullum, and, and he's like, man, I can't stand McCullum because man, we were like number whatever in the state. They were really good, and and McCullum goes out in the playoffs and, and beats them on a three, uh, and he, he just he can't swallow it. I just wanted to bring that up, you know, in the hopes that yeah, he's that was uh, to us.
1: that was 2009, man. I still remember it because I was there, and I so, think they were ranked fifth at the time
0: fifth in the state. That sounds about right. And he, he just, every every time we talk about Roma basketball, he always brings up that game. And I said, I I didn't play on that team and I wasn't the coach. He goes, yeah, but you're a McCollum guy. And you know what? I'm like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to bring that up.
1: I hope he remembers that man. 2009 Roma. I remember that.
0: He's never going to live that down. Never, never, never. Um, But you talk about, uh, no, to me, I I, I, uh, gotten to know you over the years and, and you're just, uh, you know, breaking barriers, right? And you're doing these wonderful things and a giant company like like Facebook. And and to me, I just think that's so powerful for these young people to see. And and so these lessons you learn, the 6.30 in the morning practices and the blood, sweat, and tears on the floor, the sacrifices uh, that you give for your teammates. I mean, how, how did that help you break those barriers, like going to a giant company like Facebook?
1: Yeah, man. I mean... For me, it's not like I just go tap into someone in my family and be like, hey, you know, mom, aunt, brother, etc." like introduce me to these people at, that, at your company or at this company just because no one in my family has ever done it. Yeah. And so, you know, from the beginning, I'm basically at a disadvantage because I don't even have that ease of accessibility to these people that I want to be around, learn from, work for, etc. But in translating how basketball sort of transpired You know my approach off the court. Really, for me, it's just like having that that grit, man. And you know, there's something to be said about going to school in the South Side of San Antonio, and the special sort of community that it breeds. And and, you know, it it creates this environment of opportunity, an individual to to sink or swim, right? I mean, mm-hmm. many people don't really give you a shot to begin with. You're always kind of the underdog. Mm-hmm. At least that was, that's how I felt, right? Um, a public school, uh, uh, you know, a, a school where they give subsidized loans, those sorts of things where it's, like, it's just different, right? And, and, but going through that and living it, and, and even with basketball, to, to help with that, like, teach me and guide me the right way, it's really just taught me to have the utmost confidence in, in myself and, and be scrappy. I think that's probably one of the, the key things to be scrappy and make the best with what you have, given what you have, which might not be much. And like, uh, you know, for me, I, I didn't have too much growing up. And I think I just had to get creative. I remember, for example, this is a real story. My uh, junior and senior, I, I, I never even had a lap. I didn't have a laptop until I went to college in 2013 all the applications I had to do for colleges leading up to my senior year even you know graduating senior year were online and so what that meant is I would get up early like around 6 six thirty, and I was one of the first people at McCullum with the janitors so I made really good friends with Mr. Morales and, and his son Tony and I did that a lot because without it I had no access to the internet and then you know if, if I couldn't get to the library or anything mind you this was like i would go really early to do it because then i had practice or if i had practice in the morning i would stay late or whatever it was uh then i would have to go to the public library that was near where i was living and i just had to sacrifice man but it, it came down to not taking no for an answer not feeling sorry for myself because i didn't have something and really just focusing on what i did have and for me i had this internal drive and grit to be like, I'm gonna go out and get what's mine, no matter at what cost. Yeah. Within reason, obviously, and doing it the right way, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, that was a thing. I was like, I, I, I'm gonna just figure it out. I'm not gonna be here and want someone to feel sorry for me or feel bad for me and say, oh, like, poor guy, he didn't have a computer, right? I didn't. And, and that's the thing I think about going into to, to UT where, it's the first time in my life I have a computer. Think about that. Like, first time, 18 years old. And I remember going to the campus bookstore. They, they sold laptops there. And I was able to buy a, a MacBook Pro that I still have. And I have it to just remind me yeah. of what it's like to be the, the Justin Johnson from 2009 and remember what it was like before having that device, right? So it's super outdated, super slow, kind of works, not really now. But in that moment, it was just like all the, you know, the struggles and the sacrifice, the six in the morning wake-ups to drive to school to get there before everybody else because we had limited amount of computers to begin with, and I just needed to fit that into somewhere, and I knew it was important just kind of juggling that. And that's really transpired to me is like, even if I don't know something, which to this day happens often, because I don't know everything, and I don't I don't want to know everything because I think I'll just be bored. Like it, there's still excitement in understanding. Like, yo, I'm I don't know that, but I'm gonna learn it. I'm gonna figure it out. And I think that's a big part of what got me to where I'm at today. What keeps me where where I'm at today, and what continues to like push forward is like just to keep going, man. To just like really go in deep inside yourself to like know you are able to do it. And like what I was doing 10 years ago, plus was like the surface level. Yep. Now I'm like diving really deeper into like going further and doing more. And I think that's a thing more so when, when I'm speaking with, with the youth, right. High school students or even young college uh, students. They're like, Oh my God, I, I would love to to do what you've done or work for you or be where you are, those sorts of things. And I always tell them like, Uh, Thank you, one. But secondly, I want you to do better than me. Whatever that means, I'm not sure, but you'll figure it out. And if I can get into these multiple Fortune 100 companies year after year and have these jobs and do these things and meet these people, you can too, because I'm going to share what I did. But then you're going to go do it, do it better, do it sooner than me, so you'll have a time advantage. So you might be able to squeeze in more than I'll ever be able to, right? Because of time. But that's always the goal for me. It's like how can I leave these people or these communities that have really like raised me mm-hmm. to be better mm-hmm. and to do better? And just and just whatever that means. I don't know exactly because everyone's different, but like if that's the thing I can do, and even if it's just one person from each community, that's
0: like the goal for me. Yeah. No, that's great stuff. Um no touch on the you know, people saying, I want to do what you do. Uh just paint a, a quick picture. What is what is uh a typical couple months span look like for Justin uh, with no COVID around you, you're, you're yeah. traveling like normal.
1: That changes everything. Yeah. Um, well, I'll reflect back to, to last year. Last year was probably one of the more momentous, like memorable years I've ever had. I, I, I got married, which was huge. And that happened in the summer. Thank you. Congratulations. So been, thank you. So it's been married over a year, but with that, came the fact that I, at that point I was at, had been at Facebook for five years. And once you hit five years at Facebook, you get something called recharge, which is basically a full month paid off to take vacation. And you can add vacation on top of it. Right? So I was out of work for about two months, literally from the middle of June, the wedding happens. And then I'm off for two months literally. And my wife and I, we take take a honeymoon, and I'm like, right before leading up to, we were kind of debate. She was living in San Antonio, I was in LA, so, you know, I was coming to San Antonio basically every other week on a plane, back and forth, back and forth for a whole year, and she would come and in between or whatever. But I was traveling everywhere. In 2019, I think I had literally about 65, 67 flights, which is, which is a lot. Basically, every six day, I'm on an airplane, something like yeah. that, like crazy, and. Um, I remember, like, leading up to the wedding, uh, she was still working for a company, and I was like, "Hey, why don't we take two weeks off? We'll go do like the honeymoon, and then we'll come back, and then you'll give your two weeks, and then we'll move to LA." But then I'm thinking, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, "Why don't you quit your job?" So she did before the wedding, and then we're gonna go on this like crazy once in a lifetime honeymoon, which I. I actually do hope it happens at some point in, in the future again, because it was, it was incredible. But we, we left for five weeks. And we went from uh, post-wedding, we went back to L.A. just to pack up new stuff. And then from L.A., went to Thailand. And we spent two weeks in Thailand. Then we went to Bali. And we spent two weeks in Bali, in, in, in Indonesia, Southeast Asia. And then we went to Hong Kong for a week. And then we flew back to L.A., that same day that or that same yeah that same day because I was so off from the time zone changes I wake up after like a long nap basically slept for like eight hours and I'm like so jet lagged but also like not I couldn't sleep and uh, I was bored because I'm like oh I still have some vacation time at that point I still have about three weeks left so 20 something days of vacation 21 days and I'm like okay we had just literally we just gotten back direct like a I think 10 or 12 hour flight direct from Hong Kong to Los Angeles. I wake up after this nap and I'm like, all right, let's go to Las Vegas. And so we didn't have tickets. We didn't have a hotel. I'm like, I'm going to buy us tickets on the way to the airport in case we don't make it. We don't have, we don't need the ticket, but maybe we do make it. Who knows? So I buy them as we're on the way. We don't have a hotel yet. Cause I'm like, we might not even make these plane tickets that I just got. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. And then we made it. Then we spent two nights in Vegas. Then we fly back to LA. And then I'm like, let's go to Texas because, like, why not? We'll just go share with our family how the last six weeks of life have been. Come hang out in Texas. Go back. But, you know, in a normal few months, pretty much every other week or so, I'm traveling for either work or personal reasons. And basically, um, you know, November of a couple months ago, so November of 2019, um, that was such a crazy month because we were literally – or between November, December, this, our lives were basically, uh, LA to San Francisco, to LA, to New Mexico, to Washington, DC, to Nashville, to Houston, to San Antonio, back to LA, to Vegas, to Hawaii, back to LA, to San Antonio, back to LA.
0: Woo. I'm tired just listening to that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's a privilege, man. And it's something I don't forget about. Like I never rode an airplane until I was in 11th grade. And the only reason that I was able to even get on the airplane was because at the time, Ohio State University was trying to recruit me for academics to go to this college there. And uh, being as a kid born and raised in the South Side and going to McCullum and being exposed to what I was, I'm like, Ohio, I don't even, like, know, no one I, I don't even know anyone from Ohio. And I remember going with a a couple others from from McCullum and and getting off the plane. It was like 11 degrees and I'm like, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, I can't do this. I cannot do this. It was a cool experience and, you know, it's something I think about because literally 11th grade was the first time I'd ever flown. And uh, yeah, like fast forwarding back to here and what you mentioned, what is a typical, um, you know, generally when when I'm grounded, uh, I'm in the office uh, most times during the week or or meeting with partners meeting with clients um flying around whether it's on the west coast primarily or new york or you know somewhere in the us somewhere and then for vacations i always try to go to places i've never been just to continue expanding my experience and understanding cultures and and Mm -hmm. people from everywhere in all walks of life and so yeah it had covid not in february i was still in orlando and when i was getting back to la we were going to go to uh seattle then austin for south by southwest then we were going to cancun for a week then we were coming back and then we would have been in tokyo uh earlier this summer because i'd been wanting to go and you know that's all on pause for now
0: it doesn't even sound real right it it sounds like something people make up i'm gonna go here here but this is your life and and but you've worked hard for it and you've you've earned it and and a lot of that is traveling for work, and a lot of and some of it's for personal reasons. But but to get out and experience those things, it's just it's amazing. And, uh, and Hong Kong, well, what's that like? It's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's a uh, very populated man. It, it, so in the area we stayed in, it's the Mong Kok district, and it's actually the most populated area in the world. Hmm. So it just like you're just swarmed with people, it feels like New York Times Square, but like way more people right and it's also very very humid it makes texas feel nice in the summer which i mean you being in san antonio you know how humid and yeah. hot it gets but like it's worse there for humidity we were also there during the time that all the protests were happening between mainland china and hong kong yeah. those governmental political tension happening um riots protests the whole thing so it was very interesting to, to hear about that and not really see it much happening day to day um And it's just, it's very expensive. And I didn't realize that until we were already there. So I should have probably done more research, but yeah, it's all in all, you know, for me, it was a investment into ourselves to just experience the culture and get a feel for what it's like to like be there. We got to ride a helicopter throughout Hong Kong and and see Hong Kong from above, which was really cool. Um, Yeah. And I'm just a big fan of of like Southeast Asia and the Asian culture to begin with, because it's so different from US customary culture.
0: No, for sure. I I'm, I'm, I feel the same way. Um, you know, last year we brought you and you talked to our athletes a little bit, you know, you were once in their shoes and their jerseys. And so it was, it was neat to hear you give these types of experiences to them. And, and I know that they've, they've kept it with them because we've talked about it on more than a couple of occasions, but they also talk about the cool stuff that you, that you were telling them, you know, uh, the shoes that you buy and, you know, the experiences that you've had through your job and the people you've met, you know, tell us a couple of things, maybe, uh, you know what uh what's your favorite pair of shoes that you that you own? Because you're a shoe guy. I know you're a shoe guy.
1: I am, I am, yeah. Um I spend probably too much time and money on them and, and here I am still still buying them, but uh it's my it's like my hobby. Like I yeah. just really enjoy enjoy it for whatever unknown reason. I just really like shoes. Um my favorite pair. Man, that's super hard. Um, it's super, super hard. I know recently there was a, a collaboration that happened between Air Jordan and Dior, the luxury yep. brand. Yeah. And they released for two thousand or twenty-two hundred. Um, I tried buying those. I I didn't. And then hard now they're did. going for yeah they're they're going for like fifteen twenty thousand. I,
0: I saw a pair for twenty-four grand. Yeah. Woo.
1: You could buy a car at that point. Yeah. Uh, so so i really like those it's not my like dream pair but um i think if i had to pick a certain pair right now that i'm a big fan of yeah i would say probably the nike dunks that are the manu ginobili edition obviously it's an ode to to manu ginobili i'm a diehard spurs fan and uh these were a very limited release i don't even think there were many pairs circulated to begin with and you know, I got some, some of the hype stuff that all the kids and younger people in high school like the Yeezys, the Off Whites, and Nike, some more dunks and uh, things of that sort. But yeah.
0: Have you seen those Jordan 4, the Off White ones and the women's sizes? Those are nice.
1: Yeah, I think they're releasing this Saturday, and I'm actually yeah. trying to get a pair as well. Yeah. And then there's also a pair of uh, Nike SB Grateful Dead shoes releasing this Saturday as well. Uh, they're these like green, fuzzy looking shoes, which I like kind of like the, the more wild. You know, I have shoes that have cheetah print, and oh, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer your question finally with a different answer, which is the the Kobe Grinch. I have the Kobe Grinch. Uh, I think they're the six, the Kobe Grinch six. So it literally looks like the, the Grinch color green with red laces. I love these those release Those these released back in 2010 uh, on Christmas Day, and I actually have a pair. Um, and you know this took me years to track down in my size in a pair that was actually legitimate not a replica and in good shape mm-hmm. and uh yeah i yeah that's definitely one of my if not my favorite pair because to find those in a good shape good pair you're probably looking around four thousand dollars which I, I paid nothing near
0: yeah no those are beautiful shoes and and i heard they're going to re-release you know obviously it's yeah. a re-release but it's still it's i mean they're very, very beautiful shoes for sure.
1: I'll try and get the re-release for sure, but there's nothing like like the OG. So exactly. I, I have I have a pair in Los Angeles that uh, is just waiting for me to use at some point, wherever. I, maybe when I go to the grocery store over there, I'll put them on and, and, and get a new T-shirt or something.
0: What's the uh, what's the most you ever paid for a pair of shoes? You don't have to answer, oh. but if you want to, answer. <laughs> Uh
1: in the four figures, really? So yeah. yeah over easily over a thousand dollars multiple pairs um I, saying that makes me feel bad because I, I shouldn't be doing that but uh but i have I'm, I'm guilty of doing that um
0: if you can do it you yeah. can do it right? i mean
1: yeah but i could also you know the counterpoint is like i should probably do something else with, with that money but yeah uh over a thousand dollar couple pairs for sure easily
0: um talk about some other experiences that you've had working i know you told the kids some some very Cool stories.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, my mom's birthday was, well, it's every year, but last year specifically, I flew her out to Los Angeles because it was a big birthday for her. Um, and this was at the time that uh, Sunday service with Kanye West was, was kicking off. It wasn't like a big thing yet, it was still a very intimate, small setting at the Yeezy headquarters out, out in Calabasas, just outside of LA. And I think this was the second or third time it had ever happened. Um, and my, my friend who is, uh, Tony Williams, who's Kanye West's cousin, he's his, my friend is his manager, called me. He's like, Hey, you know, there's this Sunday service thing happening. If you're interested in coming, let me know. I'm like, it sounds cool, but I flew my mom out here for a her birthday. So if I can bring my mom, I'll go. If I can't bring my mom I'm not going to go. And we went and I remember telling my mom leading up to like, Hey, like we're going to go, you'll probably see all the Kardashians and, and the Jenners and Kanye West, et cetera. And some other people and she just like freaked out and froze and like started getting nervous i'm like you know relax you're not the one that's going to be singing gospel music or anything and uh i remember taking her and like we walk in and it was such a crazy like it felt like frozen in time so i walk in and and there's like literally uh chris jenner kendall jenner uh courtney kardashian kim kardashian all the kids kanye um la reed and some other like supermodels and some other like prominent la people and we went in and had the experience of sunday service which is really like cool just to experience kid Cuddy was there it was really cool just to experience that and then the service ended and i'm like literally in the brunch line it was the person in front of me who i didn't know at the time until she turned back it was actually kendall jenner so there we are literally having french toast talking and then it ends the, 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 the brunch portion ends and we're leaving. And I told him, hey, I'm going to run to the bathroom. I'll be right back. In that one minute span that I went to the bathroom and came back, my mom gets to meet Kanye. And she met him sort of randomly because she said, as I went this way, he came this way seconds after I had already turned. And uh, she got to meet him, talked to him for about the minute that I was gone. And she just was like, this is one of the most incredible things ever because you see these people on TV and then she getting to have that experience was cool for me. Like would i have liked to meet him. Sure. But at the same time, I'm like, that's more meaningful for her to be able to take that back to San Antonio and share with her sisters and my grandmother and, and the, her colleagues at work and sorts of things. And so, yeah, that was a really special thing that um, money can't buy. Uh, yeah. You know, you don't buy tickets to these things. It's literally who you know and, and being able to, to network that way. So that was very special to share that thing, that experience uh, with her. And uh, there's been multiple moments like that, not only with her, but my wife, or, or best, or best friends, or close friends in Los Angeles, where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in these moments where it just doesn't even seem real, and it's like, let alone, it's literally just like it's happening. So it's just kind of go with it, live in the moment, enjoy it.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. That you're able to, like, from what you're saying, it, you know, it's it's cool for yourself to be in it, but the fact that you're able to share those moments with people that you care about and and that's more important to me yeah
1: that's way more important to me because it's just it's a special thing that I continuously remind myself like what good is it if I have nothing to share it with right and so nobody to share it with and uh, it's been it's been just it's been just amazing to watch those experiences and moments that I've had with others giving them first-time experiences from whatever the case may be, maybe sitting courtside or sitting in a, a suite at Staples Center's backstage for concerts, those sorts of things, that are just like really special to remember um, and have those those times to just like look back on. And even for me, like I still pinch myself. I'm like, I'm really, I'm really here right now. And like, it, it's a the Drake liner reference that comes to mind. It's like came a long way from sitting in the nosebleeds. Yeah. So I used to sit there. I. And I would, I would cheer proudly, and I was there.
0: Yeah. Talk about um, your big diehard Spurs fan. You I know, am. Talk about your all-time starting five for the Spurs. You can throw in a six-man. Okay. This was the easy
1: but hard one. Uh, the big three, that, that's no question. right? No Timmy, Tony, Manu, right? Then you got to put in the Admiral because it's the Admiral, and he's just awesome, right? Yeah. Twin Towers. The fifth one is really hard for me, though. Um, and where I lean into who should go here, I kind of go back and forth. But the, de- there, the decision I'll go with is actually going to be George Gervin, even though I never really got to see him play except on highlights and old games, um, just because he's the Iceman. Iconic was like the perennial superstar in San Antonio before the Spurs were the Spurs in, in the, you know, 99 through, through 2016. But um, I'll go with those five. The sixth man obviously it could be Manu because he's just the best six man to to play in the league. But I I think the person I would include as a six man here, just because he had a short stint with the Spurs would actually be Kawhi.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's one of the best to put on a uniform.
1: I mean, yeah, he could, he could be a five easily, six easily, but like, yeah, Yeah. I would, you know, he's interchangeable with, with a, a George Gervin to go to the six, Kawhi to go to the five, but like, I'm still a bit bitter about all that happening, but Ooh, yeah. you know, we, got a, we got a ring. So we got, you know, we had two chances. We got one of them, which was nice when he was around. But yeah, that's who I would, I would for sure go with. Um, I thought a ton about like Sean Elliott and, and Avery Johnson because they were so foundational in setting up the Spurs for where, when they finally made the championship run in 99. But yeah. for me, um, you know, the players I listed are the ones that I would like go to battle with and choose no, to, to go with.
0: What's cool about being a Spurs fan, especially for us too, right? We grew up on the south, and so uh, on the south side of town. And so, when the Spurs would win a championship or something, Military Drive you
1: celebrate like you won. Yeah, yeah you Military celebrate like you Drive won was the Spurs are family.
0: And for those that don't know, Military Drive is a main road uh, in throughout that side of town, and and it was just jam packed. Like a the parade happened the night one. Yeah, it was crazy.
1: A parade, man. Yeah, I remember I. Uh, you know, I've gone to many games throughout my life, fortunately, and um, I remember the Western Conference, I believe Western Conference Finals, 2000 and, let me think, I think it was 2014, they played the Clippers. And this is when, uh, it was game seven, and Chris Paul hit the floater over Timmy. Mm. And Kawhi had a last second shot to sort of, you know, save the game, but didn't. And I remember I, I flew by myself to Los Angeles for game seven. I'm pretty sure it was 2014. Oh, wait, let me – maybe 14 or 15. I'm getting the dates wrong, but if you look for the Spurs, Clippers, game seven in, in the last few years, I was at that game. And it came down to the wire. Chris Paul hits this incredible floater over Timmy. Yeah. And I was just like, the, you know, I was there in L.A. I went by myself. Because I was like, I got to see, like, I, I love the Spurs. Like, they, they are part of who I am as an individual. Yeah. And I was just crushed because I, <laughs> I was like, damn it, I flew way over here for a freaking game. And yeah. I wanted them to win and they lost. And, but yeah, those are some of the memories I, I'll take with me for every win or lose, like, diehard Spurs fan because it's just part of who you are.
0: So that's, At least from being from San Antonio. For sure. And that, that's one big memory. Give me a couple more of your favorite Spurs memories of all time.
1: No, I mean the Memorial Day Miracle, right? Like that was one of the most iconic shots for sure to ever witness as a kid, but let alone rewatch it as an adult. Like Memorial Day Miracle, Sean Elliott, tightrope in the sideline, hitting it over Rashid Wallace, seconds left and then that propels the Spurs to go forward. Unbelievable. Um, Let me think of other games that I will never forget or that were memorable for me. I'm trying to think of uh, ones that, that I've attended that were for sure memorable. Um, I think, I think game six Western conference finals, 2014 when the, the Spurs, uh, Boris D out just like killed the thunder. Yeah. This is right before basically the thunder fell apart and Russell Westbrook and, and everyone split but that was like a crazy game because I knew had they advanced past the thunder, which was going to be like their, their largest opponent to like get through, they would mm-hmm. easily get through the heat, which they had just lost to the previous year with the heartbreaking Ray Allen three pointer. I still think about to this day, and it was kind of like the revenge of the Spurs for 2014. Yeah. Um, so those are some of, some of my like favorite moments. And then the last one I'll, I just, cause I'm seeing in, in my head play out was a, uh, I think it was Game Five, San Antonio, 2014 NBA Finals. Giannoli just goes right past. I believe it's uh, Ray Allen, Chris Bosh. And then, no, he, does he go past Ray Allen or Chris Bosh? He dunks on one of them with his left hand.
0: I think he bumped Ray Allen. And dunks over it on the Bosch. top of Bosh, yeah.
1: And that to me was just like a signifying moment of like, yeah, they're not losing this game. game this is the championship is coming home.
0: Yeah. yeah that play gets, even to this day, it just shows that grit that Mano normally had that competitive fire, like whatever it takes, you know, and, and, uh, you know, one of my favorite memories was, was, I mean, the whole seat, the whole redemption season, because they were rolling out the trophies before Ray Allen hit the shot. And, and he hits the shot. We end up losing the whole series. It was devastating for a Spurs fan. Uh, but then, when the Spurs win the Western Conference Finals, and Tim Duncan says, "We're going to get it done this time," or something to that effect, uh, "We're, we're going to take care of business this time," or whatever he said, I felt all the confidence in the world that Tim Duncan and the and company was gonna was gonna bring it home. And, and sure enough, they just totally displayed this beautiful display of basketball for the whole world to see. It was it was awesome. That whole thing was just. One giant great memory for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's also the last <laughs> trophy we've gotten, but hopefully hey, more hey. to come soon.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, keep it down over there with that stuff. <laughs> um You know, any advice that you would give to young athletes, you know, um, that aren't destined for the NBA, um, but but can take the things that they've learned through sports and athletics, and any advice that you'd give, or, or any advice in general, didn't you have to be that related to that? Yeah,
1: a couple pieces come to mind. This is, this is what I tell myself every morning and remind myself to, to live by. So what I'm feeding you is also what I'm eating myself, right? And, uh, you know, the things, the things that are always top of mind for me is just the fact that I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And there's still a lot of unfinished business left that I need to do personally for my goals, my ambitions, my dreams. Uh, as I mentioned, there, there could be a reality where tomorrow I'm not here. That's a reality but every day that I am here is, is a day that I'm just grateful and thankful for to be able to do more with it because, you know, time is, is all we have at the end of the day. And we have each other, obviously, but I think time and what you make of it is so critical and so key. So like protect that and don't waste it. Secondly, it would be to always bet on yourself, always bet on yourself through the failures that I've had, through the successes that I've had, the one thing that's remained the same is that I've always given myself a chance, even if others haven't. And I think that's something that you can apply to anything in life. I didn't get the, my first job out of college wasn't Facebook. Mm -hmm. I got rejected by Facebook, but I'm at Facebook now. Right. And I think those not every scholarship I applied for in college, for college accepted me, not every minimum wage paying job when I was 16 wanted me to work for them. Those, it's fine. It hurts. But it's fine you're not gonna hit you know home run or slam dunk every single time that's okay and you shouldn't because this is what really builds resiliency and character to continue to move forward when it gets really hard yeah. because life is hard it's super hard but if you can bet on yourself and manage it and manage to ultimately you know keep going i think those are the two words that i remind myself every single time and it's kind of crazy because This was a mantra that I just had in me to keep going, keep going, keep going, whatever just keep going, keep going, and just pushing through. And I mentioned that we were in Bali last year for our honeymoon, and part of it was um, spent in this city town in Bali called Ubud. And Ubud is this very yogi, spiritual, like green peace type place, very Zen. And the only reason I knew about Bali and Ubud was the fact that uh, there was this, there's this movie called uh, "E Pray, Love with Julia Roberts, the older movie. Right. But in that Bali is one of the places she visits. And in Bali, she visits, uh, what's called like a healer. So this guy's kind of like a fortune teller, right. Very famous. And because of the movie, it made him really famous. And so I'm like, Oh my God, like I need to go see this guy. And so I tried to go see him. Unfortunately, he's passed away, but his son is now a healer and kind of taking his place. And so I remember going last year to, to meet this healer and, you know, we had a very open conversation about different things and he told me what he saw in my life, but ultimately what he left me with is what I'm sharing here. And that was something that I had already kind of thought of and was living day in day out. Was just keep going, just keep going and keep going to, to better yourself, to better those around you, to better your community, to be a better person and do the right thing. And I think that's the, the part where you really can, can grow up and develop and, and do what's best for you, for your family, and you make a difference, leave a difference. And, and I think that's really the, the roots and foundation of what I try and get back to and decisions that I make of what I do versus what I don't do or what I don't do versus what I do, those sorts of things, to really just do what's right mm-hmm. and to keep going. And not everything I do is a success. Not everything, and that's okay. And but being comfortable and being okay with that, I think, is something I, I learned years ago. now that I'm older, and something I don't forget about. So that's the, that's the sort of parting words or wisdom I would give to to these individuals who listen to. It. And also too, like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Asking for help is not a weakness. It's a strength. And and don't be afraid to do that. Whether you're young or older, my age, your age, whatever, like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Cause we're all in this together and, and I think you know if there's someone that you want to be like or do something like reach out to them let them know like how do they get to where they're at or whatever the case may be and if someone has questions for me and wants help from me and I'm uniquely able to do so let me know um, and I'll, I'll do what I can no promises but I'm going to definitely try to do what I can to help you if I can even if I don't know you it's awesome I don't I don't mind that. I don't mind helping
0: that's, that's wonderful stuff I try to live the same way especially if I don't know something I'm going to ask and and try to figure it out and so I can do the best that I can in whatever that situation is. Uh, Well, I appreciate you, man. Before we go, though, I do got one question. Uh, Yeah. Instagram battle tonight uh, versus – you got Snoop Dogg versus DMX. Who's going to win? DMX and Snoop
1: Dogg?
0: DMX and Snoop Dogg tonight.
1: Oh, Snoop Dogg.
0: You got Snoop? I got Snoop. So after the whole battle is done, I'm going to text you and we're going to find out if uh, that was accurate. All
1: right, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to be pretty accurate, but it's also subjective to the opinion. But I think it'll be an interesting one.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Well, Justin, I appreciate you, brother, taking some time out to talk. Uh, you no, know, we, we went about an hour or so, but it doesn't feel like it, right? Talking about how no. time is relevant when you're kind of locked in and, and having a good conversation and, and there's good stuff that you're, that you're giving us and, and feeding to the listeners. I, I really do appreciate you.
1: Yeah, man. Again, really, thank you for even thinking of me to to share what I think or and a bit of my story. Um, and hopefully, it makes a difference, even if it's just in one person. I think that's always what I strive for just just leaving a bet, leaving the, the world better than than I when I started with it, day in and day out.
0: No, most definitely, Justin. Thank you, brother. Have a good day. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And if you need something, uh, don't be afraid to reach out.
1: Appreciate you. All right. Take care. Yes, sir. Bye.